0: You are listening to the Missio Tempe podcast. We are a church of missional communities, living as a family of missionary servants for the good of our city. For more information about our church, visit missio.tempe.com. We hope this teaching encourages and challenges you to faithfully take up your role in the Missio day. So, yeah, another Chris with Missio this morning. Chris Gonzalez pushed Charlie out of the way so he can get a picture of us three Chris's that were standing there. Uh, I'm not often confused with Chris Gonzalez, except for if like someone introduces me as Chris, a pastor with Missio, usually the response is like, oh, I thought he was taller. Um, But every now and then, Hamilton, it's like, oh, there's another balded, bearded Chris who's an elder at Missio who runs Cultivate. If you just went off that, we're the exact same person. Uh, but then you see his handsome face, you're like, no, they're, they're different people. It's good to be here with you guys. It's, it's, it's exciting. Uh, your view is so much better than our view in Phoenix. There's four walls blocking our view there. And so this is beautiful. I love it. Uh, second time I've gotten to do this with you recently. So when we had the All Missio gathering here, you all hosted it. Thank you for doing that. That was a beautiful time. And it also happened to be my wife and I's 17th anniversary. So we got to celebrate that with you guys. And today's my birthday, my 37th birthday. So yeah, so there's no other way I would enjoy doing this. I just, I had to say that because you all clap for me. I was very, thank you, I love that. Uh, But it's just, yeah, it's a great way to celebrate it. I I can't picture a better way to kick off the day. Uh, There's worse people I could spend my birthday with. And I have. I think of my sixth birthday, My parents had recently been divorced. My dad very quickly remarried, and so I had a stepbrother and a stepsister. And my mom, who worked three jobs at the time, uh, selling roses in a bar, waiting tables, and a third job that I never really understood, she had saved up a bunch of money to get me a slip and slide. Do you guys remember slip and slides? Okay. You just heard I'm 37 years old. If you do the math, I was born in 1984, which I learned there's a new term for that. I'm not just a millennial. I am a geriatric millennial. Yeah. If, if you were some younger millennial who's trying to cope with the fact that they just turned 30, decided that anyone born between 80 and 85 would be termed a geriatric millennial. And I am losing my hair, so I guess it kind of makes sense. I, I, I can't really argue with it. So if you don't know what a slip and slide is, it's because you're not a geriatric millennial. Uh, but it's, it's this tarp that you would lay out and you would attach water to it. And then like you would run and just slide on it. It sounds super simple, right? But then this slip and slide my mom got, I mean, she saved up and went all out. It was like the deluxe slip and slide of the day. It had these bumpers on each side so you didn't like go off into the grass and like get all scratched up, right? And out of those bumpers, there are little like spouts of water shooting at you the whole way. So it's like a little parade of water as you go through. And then when you get to the end, you hit this little bump and you go through a waterfall and then you land into a pool of water. And I ran and I did this, and it was glorious for the first and last time I ever got to go on that slip and slide. Because then my younger stepbrother decided he was thirsty. And he could have just drank water from the pool at the end of the slip and slide, but it had grass in it and our dirt from our bodies were in it. So I understand that. But he also could have gotten a cup of lemonade that was sitting on the picnic table out there. But instead, he decided to sink his teeth into the slip and slide and get some of the water from inside of the clean vinyl. And so I went and I told my my dad and he was like, oh, hey, that sucks. And I never got another slip and slide again. I've never been on a slip and slide again for the rest of my life. I was so bummed. I went in and my dad was like, here, just have a piece of this ice cream cake we got you for your birthday. And I was like, no, I can't, I'm not hungry right now. I can't even look at that. And then later I was like, ice cream and cake in one? What was I thinking? So I went back and he was like, hey, uh, your stepbrother just took the last piece. You said you didn't want any. This is the same kid who years and years later, when my then girlfriend at the time, now wife, was parked in my driveway at my house, he and his friend were outside on the front driveway smoking pot, we came outside, his friend was gone, he was still there with a cloud of smoke around him, and the window to my wife's car was bashed in, and her camera had been taken. And I was like, dude, what happened? What happened was he gave it to his friend to go pawn so they didn't get more drugs, but he just said, I don't know. But you were out here the whole time? I don't know. Well, Where'd your friend go? I don't know. This is the same kid who, on drugs, laid his sister on the kitchen table and was beating her until my dad came down and found it and had to pull him off. He now has a restraining order on him from the family. I haven't seen him in years. When I think about people who are hard for me to love, still to this day, my stepbrother usually is one of the first on the top of that list that comes to mind. Who's your person? because this book of Jonah, it's really all about that. Who are the people that God is sending you to that you are like, no, not them. The good news is good news for everyone, but that person, right? That's the book of Jonah. And I know a lot of times when, when you say the book of Jonah, you get these other pictures in your mind, right? So I would love to play a little game uh, and let's, let's do that. Let's find out like what comes to your mind when we talk about the book of Jonah, even if you haven't been around the church much before or read the Bible before, usually uh, because of pop culture, you might have an image and I'm, I'm going to try to guess what it is, right? You might have an image that comes to mind when you hear about the book of Jonah. So with two or three people around you, I'm going to give you a minute to just share real quick. What do you picture when you hear that we're going to look at the book of Jonah this morning? Go. All right, let's go ahead and gather back, focus back in. So I'm going to take just a wild, stab-in-the-dark guess at some of these, okay? And I, I, it's kind of cheating because I heard you say it, but I already knew it was going to come up. Who said VeggieTales? Yeah, there's our geriatric millennials. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry, you all look way younger than me. VeggieTales, yeah, the, the story of VeggieTales uh, retelling Jonah is like, Jonah, is it the cucumber or the tomato? It doesn't matter. Anyway, some some vegetable is told to go and share. <laughs> Brand knows. All right. So uh, he has to go tell Nineveh to stop slapping people with fish. What? I don't know. Anyway, enough VeggieTales. How many of you just said a, a whale or a big fish? Come on. There's more hands than that. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Uh... Chris Hamilton was just telling me this morning, recently in the news, there's a story of a guy who not only, yeah, you know where this is going, not only survived a plane crash, but then was swallowed by a humpback whale. Seriously, it's on the internet. Swallowed by a humpback whale and about 30 or 40 seconds later got spat out from it. So those of you who are wondering if Jonah is a real story or not, there's proof it could be done 30 seconds, three days, whatever. But, but it happened in real life. You know what's funny also is in Jonah, the whale is given like two lines or the fish, whatever it is, the sea creature, two lines. And yet that's the thing that comes to our head. In fact, what comes to my head usually is the Pinocchio movie. You guys know what I'm talking about? Where are my geriatrics at? <laughs> Pinocchio is a crazy movie. It's a weird story, right? Uh, but in, in one scene, Geppetto is swallowed up by a whale. And so they've taken this, like, iconic image, no doubt, from this story. Like, the imagination comes from there, I'm sure. Do you also remember in the Pinocchio movie when Pinocchio gets so fed up with Jiminy Cricket trying to be his conscious, so he takes a hammer and just smashes him? You guys don't remember that? Oh, that's right. It didn't make it into the, the Disney version of the movie, but it happened. Do you remember in Snow White when they decided to make... The queen danced around in hot iron shoes until she just fell over dead. You don't remember that one either, huh? It was in the original story. Uh, did you know that in Cinderella, she actually kills off her wicked stepmom so her dad can marry the housemaid and be happy? True story, until Disney got a hold of it. They became what I call Disneyfied, Right? And that's what's happened with the book of Jonah for us. Usually we get the first three chapters. We Disneyfy it. We make it a nice little children's story. You get Jonah, a whale of a tale, and a little kid's book, right? And it's a story about this guy, Jonah, who's told to go and tell good news to a whole other people, to Nineveh. And instead, he starts running away. But God doesn't give up, and he gets a hold of Jonah, right? And by any means necessary, one of those being this giant fish that swallows him up. And then spits him out. And then finally Jonah goes and he goes to Nineveh and he tells them, hey, repent, turn to God, stop doing your wicked things. And then they all do it. And everyone believes, yay, the end, happy story, Jonah, what a great guy. Maybe not so much at first, but then God got a hold of him, right? And usually we end this story at chapter three, but there's a long lost chapter of Jonah. So chapter 4, and I'm going to read the last verse of chapter three, first and verse 10. After Jonah goes and he preaches the worst sermon ever, he literally just says, hey, in 40 days you're all going to be destroyed. Mic drop, walks away. I've given some bad sermons, but like this one's really bad. And it's effective. Everyone seems to turn and repent. And so verse 10 says, as God saw their actions, the actions of Nineveh, That they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with. And he did not do it. That's good news, right? Stop the story right there. But, chapter 4, Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord. Isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? And then Jonah basically gives him a stiff arm, silent treatment. He doesn't respond. We'll pick back up. In chapter four, in just a moment, but right there, what we see is Jonah didn't run away because he was afraid. Right? That's been a lot of the ways I grew up hearing that story. Is Nineveh? They're the Assyrians. They're the enemies of Israel, and they used to do some violent, crazy, wicked stuff. And all that's true. And so maybe when Jonah heard go to Nineveh, he was like, uh, I don't think so. That's scary, right? And he runs away. But actually, Jonah just plays his cards right there, cards on the table this is why I ran in the first place. And what does he say? He takes some words that God said about himself in Exodus 34 and he throws it in his face. Exodus 34, right after God's people were rescued out of slavery in Egypt, brought safely across the Red Sea. Moses goes up to the mount to get the word of God. How do you live now? You've been living as enslaved people to a tyrant. How do you live as your own people? Well, I'm your God and I will show you the best way to live, right? And the people say, yeah, we'll do all those things. And the second Moses comes down, they've already broken the first one. They've already made some idol out of gold and they're worshiping that instead of worshiping Yahweh. And so version 2.0, like Moses goes back up. God, he he gives him the word again, right? This This is how my people should live. And this is what he says. He says... These words that Jonah just said to him, I am a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love. This is what God said of himself to assure the people of Israel that he would not destroy them like they deserved to assure them, to give them a hope. Hey, I'm still your God. You're still my people. I'm not giving up on you. This was good news to the Israelites. This would have been good news for Jonah and his ancestors and his whole people. But he sees it as terrible news when it's applied to somebody else. Not just terrible news, but news that he's willing to just die over. Like, he, he's so angry. God, would you just take my life? It's better that I do not live right now. We make a lot of excuses sometimes, I think, to not go where God sends us, to not go and speak what God tells us to speak. And a lot of times it's something like this. It's like, well, I, I don't know the story well enough, right? I don't know the, the word well enough. So I, I can't really go and proclaim that. But here's why I'm going to call... My kids are going to BS on this, right? Here's, here's why this is a problem with me. Because uh, the pandemic hit and this brand new virus was brought out like all over the world and everybody had an opinion to voice. And we didn't know anything about it. We still don't know much about it. And everyone's got an opinion and is very vocal about it. I don't think we have a problem talking about things we don't understand, right? Like that's just not true. Get on social media, you'll find that. So that's that's usually just an excuse given out there. But uh, sometimes a better reason is there's fear, right? And that's the reason we often would have given to Jonah in our children's books. Like There's fear, the fear of men, the fear of mankind. Like, what are they going to do to me? How am I going to be received? How will I be treated, right? But then there's also the fear of what if they believe it? Is this, is this good news applicable to my stepbrother, to Nineveh? who's your Nineveh? What if they actually believe it? I'm not going to get into the debate of whether Jonah is is a real story or not. (laughs) I don't think that's the point. Jonah was a real person. You could find him mentioned in 2 Kings 14. He was hanging out with the king at the time, Jeroboam. Jeroboam says in 2 Kings 14, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He was not a good dude. And you know what he did with his buddy prophet Jonah is they decided, hey, let's expand our territory for Israel let's expand our borders and so they continued to push out and conquer and take over and expand the kingdom and a lot of uh scholars believe that at that time actually where they were headed was toward Nineveh Assyria would have been part of that So now you have the story of of God coming to Jonah and saying, Hey, actually, I want you to go and I want you to tell them to repent, turn from their wickedness, and I'll save them. And that doesn't fit in Jonah's plan. It doesn't fit in their expanding their territory, their boundaries, right? No, no, no. when, When we built these walls around Jerusalem, it was for our people. We should be blessed. And really, whether the story is true or allegorical, it's not the point. The point is, Jonah is a picture right here. He's a snapshot of what had happened to the hearts of all of Israel. They were called to be a royal priesthood, a city on a hill, to be blessed to be a blessing to the nations. And yet, they had held on to that blessing for themselves. We're God's people. We're special And they had cut off that good news from the rest, especially from their enemies. And this is what continues to happen in Jonah chapter four. See, I don't have wind where I preach in Phoenix, so my pages don't turn like that. So Jonah chapter four, what happens, uh, God just, Jonah leaves, he, he goes and he sulks and he sits somewhere east of the city so he can watch, like he's hoping for destruction to still come. What's gonna happen in this city? And then God, out of his mercy, he he grows this plant up over him where it provides him shade. And that's the first time you hear in the story that Jonah's pleased. He's been griping, he's been running, he's been angry, but it's the first time he's pleased. Why? Because of his own comfort. Just stop right there, like let's be real with ourselves. Is that true of any of us? first time he's pleased in the story, his own comfort. And then God sends this worm. Everyone talks about the giant fish, but what about the tiny little worm that comes and devours a whole tree in a moment? That's crazy. He takes that away from him. And then Jonah's angry again. So I want to pick up from there. As the sun, verse eight of chapter four, as the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. Jonah wants to die a lot. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. <clears throat> and then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. Verse 10. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant which you did not labor over. There's the wind. You cared about the plant which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. I love that. It, many translations say, and also lots of cows. Like God cares about the cows too. They're his. Uh, there's a Psalm that says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All of creation is his and he cares about it. Should I not care about this like you cared about the plant, Jonah. And then it seems like he gives this kind of little underhanded jab there (laughs) to the Ninevites. Like, they don't know their right hand from their left hand. I don't believe this is some kind of like uh, backhanded thing being said there that is trying to like put them down with their intelligence. Uh, It sounds very similar to what Jesus says. When he's there on the cross and he says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. God had been telling Israel, hey, follow me. Follow me straight ahead on my way with my path." And he says, do not turn to the right or to the left. The Ninevites, they don't know. They don't know the right way to go straight forward, following after me. They don't know the right from the left. And Jesus says, God, forgive these people. They don't understand. They don't know what they're doing. Thank God we have a better Jonah at the end of the story, right? That he doesn't think about whether or not these people deserve it. But while they're in the midst of torturing and murdering him, he prays forgiveness for them. Tim Keller says that this story of Jonah is very much like the story of the prodigal son that we hear. Uh, actually, it's the story of two brothers and a dad that Jesus tells. And that at the beginning of Jonah, he's kind of like the younger brother who's running away. But at the end of the book, in chapter four, he's more like the older brother who feels like, no, no, they don't deserve this grace that you're giving them. I've done all the right things. And just like that story that Jesus tells, that parable, it ends with a question and you don't know what the response is. The father goes out to the older son, won't you come in and celebrate with us? And you don't know. Does he stay outside? Does he come in? God comes to Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry? What about me caring about all of my creation here and all of these people? And we don't hear Jonah's response. Because again, Jonah's response is not the point. The point is, For us, listeners, hearers today, God's people, Missio. Is the good news, good news for everyone? Who is your Nineveh that God is sending you to? Because if you recognize the grace that you've been given, that you've received, then you are a vessel to pour that out to others as well. Just as Jesus did for us when we were the enemy and we were undeserving. Let me pray. Father, we are thankful for this day, even the fly swarming around my face right now, Uh, the beautiful sky, the trees, everything you have made, and we're reminded in the story of Jonah that you care for it all, even the cattle. And we're grateful for it, and we're grateful, God, that we are part of that creation, but that also we get to partner with you May us not be like Jonah, who uh, you bring us along in partnership, kicking and screaming like a child, but may we truly partner with you in your good work. We thank you that because of Jesus, we have been given a good news worthy to tell to others. We have received forgiveness and that now we can pour that forgiveness out. Even upon our enemies, as we saw you do for us, Jesus. Help us to do that by the power of your spirit. The glory of the Father in the name of Jesus, we pray, Amen. As we uh, go to take communion, and Charlie's going to serve it here up front. On your your sheets here, I want you to follow along with me, because um, there's a part for you to respond with. We enter into this participatory, like uh, is that a word? <laughs> we we don't sit passively, and so we participate in this. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. When he, when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Hear that real quick. When, and for many, that includes your Nineveh that you thought of in your head. Wherever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And if you could respond to this, therefore we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen. Come as you're ready.